This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Tzfarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. I just would like to sort of, uh, from time to time, sort of refresh what, how, you know, the, the meaning of having a shear on, on a Yontif topic. I once heard from Rav Kreisworth. Rav Kreisworth was a Rav of Antwerp. He was a tremendous genius. I mean, he was an incredible memory, and he would quote Psukim and Gemaris, so Yoshalmi just verbatim, like just on and on. He was a very powerful speaker, and it was before Rosh Hashanah time, he was in Nerz Yisrael, and he spoke, and he said the Pasuk by Yeshayo, it says, Who asked of you to trample my holy court, courtyards. In other words, when Kaisal does Averis, um, you know, why do you bother to come to the temple? It's not good, and so on and so forth. But he, um, he stopped at the word remos. Remos is a word usually associated with animals. Um, animals trample. It's kind of the, that's the, that's the usage of, of remos. And he asked why he uses it remos. So he said, when a person walks, so it's his head that's decided to go someplace, and the feet are an instrument for going someplace. But an animal, it's just the feet. In other words, an animal is only feet. It's feet first, and it's feet, all feet. So he said, When a person walks into a holy place, and it's feet first, so he's trampling the place. There's no thought, no, no sense of what he's doing and why he's doing. So he said it about, it was before Rosh Hashanah, he said to walk into a yantiv just with your feet, um, or just with your stomach, I guess, is really, really um, taking the time out of yantiv. Part of the problem, part of our problem is that most of us, many of us grew up observant or traditional, many of us who didn't have been religious for many years, and therefore we, we just, we put it in autopilot. And we, you know, and, and to take time, and it's, this is true for people that are kolol and people that are rebeim as well. Autopilot works for everybody. And to take some time before a yontif and to learn something new and to think about it and get another flavor in it, another time in it, is very important. Uh, a, housewife, uh, a, a housewife knows that she can't prepare, like on those three-day yontif, she can't prepare six meals that are the same. Um, they, she, you know, uh, women they, they try to, to change their, their dresses. You know, it, it's, it's a sort of, you recognize that repetition is, doesn't do well for, for, for instilling some sort of sense of anticipation. So for Yontif, to take time before a Yontif and to, to, to learn something new and to sort of get a new sense of it, is, is, it will give us some new, new flavor, not just kind of an autopilot. So it's for me a personal, I, I welcome the chance to go through something new. And I think it's an important part of everyone's preparation for Yontif. There are signs out about you know, wine is for sale, shachmanis is for sale, and everything is, is on sale, but there's all the feet and the hands of Yontif. But something a little bit about the head and, and the mind of it, I think is important. I, I, I wanted to do a piece, like always, I like to do something inside. It's from the Maral on Purim. The Maral is, um, has a sefer on Moshon Tovim. The sefer on uh, the Megillah is called Orchadosh, and quite lengthy, and he goes uh, on every piece of the Megillah using the Chazal and so on. This is a small, relatively small piece that I've sort of excised in his introduction. I'm just going to, I've underlined one or two pieces just to keep the flow, and that's what we would like to do. So the first, on the first piece is on the first side, Nun. You'll see there's a Nun, there's only two sides, Nun and Aleph. Can't go too wrong on this one. And the right-hand column. There's a very strange chazal. There's a Gemara in Chulin. Um, the piece that I sort of made a bracket around. Homan menatari minayin. How do you know, where do we find some clue 
for Haman in the Torah, Hamina Eitz. It's, it's a play on the word Hamina Eitz, Haman. Estim in the Torah Minayin. How do you know Est in the Torah? It says, Vanochi Haster Aster. So again, you have the word um, Hester and sort of reminiscent of Esther. Mordechai Minat Torah Minayin. Dechsiv Marderor. We had this last week. Marderor is one of the types of, of Ketoros. And it's translated Miradachia, which is like Mordechai. So the, 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 that's the Gemara. It's a bit of a strange Gemara. The truth is, it has a piece before which we didn't do, Torah and so on. And the morale, the morale asks, and I'm not going to do this one inside, how come all of these things, the question is, where is it? hinted in the Torah, was alluded to in the Torah, why these things in particular, and the morale explains the previous things. That, not really relevant. Let's go to the other side, um, and let's go to the point that we're dealing with. Um, it's a Nun Aleph, on the second side, on the right-hand side, on the bottom. Okay, so just, uh, I, just to sort of very, very briefly encapsulate what he said until now, the piece that we skipped was that things... In the, anything that is a significant event. In other words, sometimes you have people who happen to be in a certain place at a certain time and use their Bechira wisely, and that's why they're heroes. Sometimes you find a person that has, God gave him a special talent, um, some special ability, some special prerequisites to, to, to be the hero or possibly the villain of that, of that event. You still have free choice whether to use it or not. But that specifically, uh, for instance, if we take a look back at some of the great people, uh, let's just pick uh, something, Rav Shamshafal Weiss, uh, Hirsch, in, in Germany, he definitely was a person who, with tremendous sacrifice, created a, 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 a rejuvenation of Torah Judaism. But there certainly were you could say not, it was not only a matter of wanting and choosing, the person had qualities that lent themselves. He had Bechira if he wanted to or not, but, but, but you could definitely say you could see God put into place a certain type of person with certain talents. So, so when, the, when the Gemara says, um, how do I know Mordechai, Haman, and Esther, the point is going to be that the qualities they particularly possessed were significant qualities that the whole, the, you know, the, the, the Indian of Purim was around these qualities. These were things that, it wasn't just a random Russia with a random tzaddik and a random tzaddikis um, who sacrificed or willing to sacrifice or willing to stand up and so on. There was a particular point that of, of, um, of, of Golos that included both Haman and included Mordechai and Esther as sharing something very unique, and and we and, and the Torah already puts it sets it there before because it's something specific, not an event that just happened to by chance roll by. So he says, Esther is alluded to in the pasuk Haster Aster. It says God says there will come a time when I will hide myself in hiding. Hasta aster is a double usage of the word to hide, which means to hide within hiding. You know, it's like someone said, sometimes you can tell somebody's hiding, and sometimes the, the person is so hidden that you can't even tell he's hiding. It's, it's like sometimes a person wears a mask, but you can tell somebody's wearing a mask, and sometimes the mask is covered, and it looks so lifelike that you don't even notice there's something behind it. So it's a very, it, 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 Kodesh Baruch said, there'll come a time when it's completely hidden. What, what were those two levels of hiding? Rak. The first envelope that hid God was that they were living in Persia under the domination of Achashverosh. So it wasn't the Jewish people in Israel led by God in a very over type of way. It was a nation within another nation and completely beholden to them and, and at their mercy. And within that circle that they were there 
of, of Ahasuerus, Tachas Haman. Within that world, there was a second circle of Haman surrounding them. That's why the Pasuk in Dvarim, after he says, there'll come a time when I'll hide myself from Israel, there'll come a time when, when Jews will be so far removed from God that, that it, it's doubly hidden. It's like sometimes you can say, I know he's playing a game with me. Sometimes I can't even see that anymore. In other words, sometimes God may not be helping the Jewish people, but there's a sense that there's something going on. And sometimes it's so oblique, there's no sense whatsoever of anything. It's kind of hidden totally. And, and it's, it's opaque. It's not even translucent. It's not as if, well, I can see there's something going on. It's dead. So the era of Achashverosh, and the era of Purim was a time when Klaiosol was totally, um, completely devoid of a sense of a divine in any, sense, in any way. Being that this was the way, So Esther is the one who was fit to be the, the savior, Shemore Hashem al The name Esther, which is hidden, sort of gives us a sense that she was a very hidden person. Nigla. Someone who is a tsunua, um, is, is someone who is modest, who, who is self-effacing, is a hidden person and not an open person. So the first thing was that Esther's quality was a quality of being a hidden person. And she was like that in the Megillah. She was someone who you knew nothing about her. You knew, you, you knew not at all about her, where she's from, what nation, family, nothing. And therefore, he says, Her tefillah also reached a place that was very hidden and very deep. And that's the place where they were able to, um, to, to fight Haman and to be victorious over Haman. So he says as following, that Esther, the, the, the type of Golas was a very hidden Golas, it needed a person who would be a very hidden person, and a person who has the quality of being very hidden is able to have their tefillahs reach a place that's hidden. That's the words. That's the, 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 that's the, the points that he's pointing out. L- let's try to digest a little bit and get a sense of, of what that means and what we're talking about. Um, a person, we a person lives in the context of the world that, m- for most of us, is the world that meets and greets his senses. So, a person sees a, a, a vision is our most vivid, most vivid sense. It's it's our primary sense when we're, when relating something, and therefore. We look at things, we see them, we deal with them that way. When we see a person who's, who's not particularly sightly, we have a hard time overcoming that hump and relating to him as a person, or as a person of qualities, because our impression is very biased in favor of, of our senses. That's natural. Um, a, a person, let's say, when you, sometimes you talk to somebody on the phone, and it's quite pleasant or quite unpleasant, and then you meet the person, and then, and then you change your sense because what you see becomes a lot more dominant than, than hearing, and so on. Um, events. We tend to take events as they greet the senses. That's, that's natural for us. So we tend, our, our plane of existence and relationships is surface. 
and therefore um, the things that are meaningful to us are the things that greet the eye and that we see and so on and so forth. A person who is, for instance, a, a person who is deeper than that begins to sort of look away from what he sees on top and he gets a deeper sense of it and, all, and he's relating to things behind it. For instance, a person who is a lawyer, when, when a, a, a person who looks at a document on the surface of it, um, it, it makes a certain impression. A person who's used to reading between the lines and, and sort of getting a sense of what words really mean when they have to put in action, sees something else. So I might say, oh, that's a very, very nice and friendly document. And someone who's, who's, who understands the workings of things looks at it and says, no, it's a piece of trash. It doesn't promise anything. It, it, it's empty promises. There's nothing that's binding. And there's way too many ways out for the person. And basically, this is not at all a positive document. It's quite negative. Something that sort of for the person who's just used to reading words, he's kind of he doesn't see that. But, but the deeper person sends it that way. Let's take that and move it into a very very different area, and let's and let's see and, and let's try to understand something about the Torah and how Kaddish Baruch Hu appears to us and so on. We usually have a kind of complaints to God. That, you know, if we were living in the Chumash times, um, Judaism would be quite simple. You know, if God was doing miracles every other day and, and, and so on and so forth, we certainly wouldn't do all the bad things they did in the desert. We would um, we'd be very, very good people. I mean, you know, if we saw Nisim like the man and, 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 and the water and this and that, and we sort of ask ourselves, well, um, why, isn't, why don't we have these miracles? And, and it's sort of, in a sense, if God wants us to believe in God, to have a really profound relationship in God, to trust in God and Torah, we'd like to see some of that. Same thing with Torah. I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu says, okay, they came to Moshe Rabbeinu with a shayla, and they said, Moshe, what's the halacha? Moshe didn't know. He said, you know, imduna and veshmal, I'll hear what Hashem has to say. When, when I was a young boy, um, I remember the joke was that when yeshivas gave smicha, you got a piece of paper with a smicha on it, and at the bottom, Ramesha Feinstein's telephone number. So that any shayla that came up, you would pick up the phone and call Ramesha. So, um, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu did one better. This was, he had Hashem's phone, and he could just say, I'm going to hear what Hashem has to say. So he said to himself, okay, if we had that type of prophecy, wouldn't that be a more effective and efficient way to, to if, if this is what you want from us, then why not have direct communication? That's really a sort of a bothersome point. So there are many good answers about Bechira and so on and so forth, but, but there's an answer that is much deeper, and it's really, really goes to the heart of understanding what and how and we can relate to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. There's, there's a, um, it, it says at the end of Megillah, when Esther wrote it, it says she describes it as an Igeris. It's divrei shalom ve'emes. These are words of shalom and emes. The Yerushalmi says it's emes. In what sense is it emes? The Gemara says by us also that it's like a mitoshal Torah. It's similar to the Torah. In what way is it similar? What's the truth quality of it that makes it similar? So he says, so the Yerushalmi says, you can darshan it like you darshan Torah. Just like Torah, you have many drushes, um, and you know, all the drushes of Chazal in Halach and Agada. Here too, we can have many drushes. In what way does it does that convey the quality of truth? It's nice to darshan, but and it's it, it's beautiful. It's, we look at, at, at drushes as kind of an embellishment, or at, at best, a tool to bring out halacha. But in what way is emes that the emes of Torah is that it's nitinly darish? So the answer is very counterintuitive, but that's the emes. 
whenever, you know, whenever a person tries, for instance, to describe his feelings in prose, you don't feel that you really expressed it well. You always feel that the words fell short, they're wooden, they're leaden, they're just not giving over the sense that you wanted to. And, and, and when people have occasions that they really want to emote, very meaningful deep occasions, they always feel they fell short. The words, and it's true, what we have inside of us in terms of emotions on, 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 on occasions when there's real room for the emotion, it always falls short. When a person writes it in poetry, in poetry form, he feels that he's expressed it a lot better. And the reason is because poetry is capable of evoking a lot more than the drab meaning of the words and just what it says, but they're like sparks fly from it. Don't you get a feel of something? The words contain more than what was written. If I can paraphrase a Gemara, it says when the Kohen Gadol read the, the Yom Kippur, Haftor, the Yom Kippur Kri, Kriya, he, he would read a little bit and he would say, there's a lot more written here than I have read for you. So I would sort of flip it around and say, there's a type of speech that there's a lot more here than what has been said. And that's, and in our world, in the world of humans, poetry is that the prose, uh, uh, that relationship. You read it, you know that there's a lot more, a lot more sparks come out of it. Torah has an extraordinary paradox. God is infinite. God has expressed himself totally in the Torah. The Rambam explains that the belief that Torah is minashamayim is that the totality of Torah includes and encompasses everything there is to be given. Nothing else will ever be... Loi b'ashamayim means not HaKadosh Baruch doesn't choose to reveal anything new to us. There is nothing left to reveal. From Bracious to the call Yisrael in one sense, from Bracious to the end of Devarium in another sense, and from Bracious to the end of Uktz in another sense. But, but, but that's it. So, so the infinite has revealed itself in something quite small. Uh, by all standards, Torah is not a, not a huge work. So, so how did you fit in so much in so little? Where, where does God's infinity express itself in a finite amount of words? And the answer is, that's called drasha. Drasha means that the words themselves are limited. They're finite. But each word can be massaged, and you can feel and keep getting more and more nuances out of it. It's amazing that we have many different sfarim, many different genres, um, whether it's the halachic type of approach in, in, in Chumash, whether it's the Chassidus type of approach, whether it's the Musr, whether it's Gematria, and Sfarim keep coming out, and even, even those that are, I mean, Sfarim of, of great quality seem to be mechadish, things that were never said before, and, and it has a ring of truth to it. And, 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 that's, and that process, we believe, can continue indefinitely, because that's how HaKadosh Baruch Hu bridged the gap the, the drushes, the ability to darshan, Torah, is the way to lock in the infinite into the finite. Megillus Esther reached a status of Torah. It's emes. The, 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 the word emes, true, applies to it. Because when I speak and I express Feelings. I don't feel it's emes. It's not that I'm not. It's not that I'm lying about my feelings, but I haven't really said what I really feel. So it's lacking. It's, it's a part. There's an expression in Yiddish: a, a half a truth is a whole lie. In other words, when 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 you when you fall short of expressing what you mean to express, you also haven't expressed it. It's it's not emes in in the large in the large sense of emes. Begilla. If it's nitli durish, if we, if we can darshan it and drushes are correct and they're true, and because it was given with the ability to produce drusha, that means that it has in itself the flavor of emes of Torah. 
That's the that's the divrei shalom for emes of of Megillah. Megillah begins the era when Klal Yisrael would no longer be in direct, let's call it visual contact with the divine, not visual contact, and no longer would Hashem ever speak to us directly. Our two most important senses, our, our sight, so to speak, and our ears and hearing, so to speak, no longer are there. One way of looking at it is, it's a, it's a downgrading. The doras are, are, are weaker. Akash Baruch has chosen to, 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 to less be Averis, whatever it is. That's one way of looking at it. But there's a deeper way of looking at it. Akash Baruch Hu's revelation in this world is finite in terms of extraordinary events. How many miracles can Hashem do that are overt? X amount. Because it, 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 overt means... I present it. So the sea splits, there's dam and sfardea, fine. But there's just, in, in the world of display that our eye catches, there are a finite amount of, of miracles. How many miracles can be hidden in the world? The answer is an infinite amount. If, if a person, um, you know, it, it, it's very funny because I've, I've taken my children, you know, occasionally go to Niagara Falls and, and you know, or, or places that have huge, and they're very impressed. And they say, wow, Maisei Hashem, Niflo Sabore, and so on. What a huge, you know, it's powerful. It, it has a big impact and it, it really makes, but if you think about it, a little ant crawling on a banister of, of the overlooking the Niagara Falls is infinitely more impressive than Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls is water, gravity, and stone. An ant has in itself, and that little, that little thing over there, has organs, planning, intelligence, strength. It, it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing, amazing thing full of chachma. How much chachma is packed in? We, we, I don't think we're going to reach an ant. I think science will keep discovering many truths. I don't think, I mean science, I mean human understanding and knowledge, I don't think we'll ever get the end of it because every piece leads to another piece. And, and every, every, time, every time we understand another mechanism, then one second, so how do all these mechanisms work together? Um, you know, when people understood organs in terms of big blobs, you know, a liver is liver and a kidney is a kidney, they had some understanding when they're able to see the level of cells, um, it, all of a sudden you needed all these cells to act in tandem. When you discover that cells are a world in, in, in themselves and they have so much complexity, you, you kept going down another step and as a, and as a, a, a cell is a world. It's not, ju- it's not just a, a, a subdivision of a liver. It is a liver. It's, it's a whole world and cells have to act in tandem um, and so on. The, 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 the ability, the infinite can only be given to us where it's hidden. Whereas the, 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 the overt and which greets the senses is by definition limited and finite. The Ramban says, Ramban in a few places, this is one of his big main principles that he treats, that, that how he treats Torah is, he says, all of Torah is really a, a miracles. If you, it, that because I'm a good person and do nice things, therefore I have a good life. There's nothing natural about that. There's no linkage. There's, there's no natural linkage between your moral value and your biological value. The, the whole the idea that the Torah says that, generally speaking, if good will be rewarded with good, is not, is, is not natural. There's nothing, nothing the laws of nature... But, but it's something that we kind of, we, we don't notice it. He said the purpose of the extraordinary miracles, the overt miracles, is to get a sense of the subtle miracles and to understand it as such. And, and that's really the purpose of the Torah. And he, he says it in many places. It helps him fit in many of the pieces of the Torah. So, the, 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 so Megillus Esther is the beginning of the after of Torah. It's sort of 
it, it, um, th- there was a question as to whether Megillus Esther itself should be revealed or not. Um, the, Esther asked the Chachamim to please canonize her work, to make it part of the Chavdalat's Farim, and they first said no, because they, they felt that they had a remez in the Torah that there's no room for another work dealing with Amalek. And then they rediscussed it, and they decided that it should be canonized because they found another remez. Which means, if you, if you think about it, Esther is a hidden work that came to light. It started by being a non-book, it was not canonized, which means it's not allowed within the context of Tanakh. And then it did come into being. So you have the, you have the, the pattern of something that is hidden coming into light. It's the example, it's for us, the, the sort of example of the sample of things that are hidden that can be brought to light. So the arena of this gullus was very different. This would mark a step off into the beyond of, 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 of a whole world of the revealed, the seen, the perceived, to that which is beyond and not known. Esther, now, a person's, a person's mindset is, you can feel what the person is, a person who's loud, a person who's shallow, a person who greets and meets everything with what he sees, and that's it. There's a whole range of, let's call the, I don't know if the word symptoms would be right, or attributes or markers for a person like that. A, it's a person that needs to have his own PR. If, if he doesn't have his picture somewhere, then he feels that he hasn't existed. There's a, in Israel, there's a, the, 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 when they started Yellow Pages, um, it, it, the, 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 the advertisements to get business to, to go to Yellow Pages are, it was, if you're not here, you don't exist. The, 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 um, it's like, I mean, you know, it, it's like if somebody is not on Facebook, he doesn't exist. I mean, you know, but productive if you pass the color Facebook, so you're, you're not there. So, so who are you? You know, the, 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 um, the, 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 the existence. So this is a person who needs to display himself. If, if people are not aware of him and his yichis and, and, his, and, 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 and his resume and everything, he doesn't exist. He sees other things in terms of the surface, and that's as far that's that's how shallow the person is. That's what it's about, and and religion is also about you know it, it's all about will will Hashem give me this if I do this for Him? That's the, that's the plane that he feels good existing in. That person has no place in their world where God is hidden, where 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 because. He doesn't know how to find things that are subtle. He doesn't know how to... I, 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 would, I was told over some... Some told me them about what I heard about Rabbi Rucham. He was the Mashkir Ramir. And he was a, a prince. And he was a giant. And this, I don't have time to go over the whole, the whole story. But everything was either with a look, with, with, a, with a word... And, and the one thing I could describe was Rabbi Yerucham would walk up and down the aisles during the Seder to make sure everything was going well in Yeshiva. If he wanted to talk to you, he would look at you. He would, you know, he would look at you and continue. And you know to walk out. It, it, I mean, to walk over and to tap you on the shoulder and say, please come out. Why? why? You don't need that. Looking at you, Rabbi Yerucham kept his eyes to himself and he was focused. And if he looked at you, meant, I need to speak to you. And the person sitting at the table couldn't even say, well, why didn't you just go over and tap him on the shoulder and say, I need you outside? Maybe get the secretary to call him out or something. But, you know, what, 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 like, but don't you understand the beauty when things are not just surface deep, when seeing the person 
when a small nuance, there's a depth to it. Certainly perceiving the, the, the type of gullus and the type of leadership of Klal Yisrael that was needed was a person who was shy to the world of Hester, who was shy to the world of the, 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 the hidden. Meaning, if Esther was a person who was content to be who she was without anyone knowing, in other words, totally self-effacing, means that she lives a different plane. She doesn't look at the, the surface, she sees what's behind it. It's very hard to pray, it's very hard to daven, when you don't really see the point of it. I don't see where, like, nothing here has gone right, so who am I davening to? But, one second, but if I see machinations, if I understand behind it, then, then, then all of a sudden I have who to daven to. Rav has a beautiful letter that he wrote as a young man. I, I don't know how, I, I, I think it was the 20s, if I, if I, if I in, in the 20s, I mean, in the 20s, I don't know, he must have been probably that age. And he writes an observation. He said, I have two friends. One friend told me, whenever I knock upstairs, he meant the Davins, nobody's home. He said, I got to know the person, and I found it to be quite shallow. A second friend of mine told me, whenever I knock upstairs, they run to hide from me. And he said, I got to know him, and the person had a lot of depth to himself. In other words, the sense that someone is deliberately, when things are not there, the, the, the sense that something is deliberately uh, going on that is, is, is a deeper perspective, a way deeper perspective than the person, yes, he's not there, Hashem didn't answer me. No, Hashem did not answer me. It's a whole different world of understanding when you understand just, well, I don't know, I tried two or three times, nothing happened. It, it, it's, you know, it's like sometimes when you call somebody and you tried a whole bunch of times and no response, and the message wasn't turned. One looks, I don't know, I did, he was never home. Other person says, no, he's disregarding you. Don't you understand? Don't you understand that, that it's, it's disregarding? It's a whole different way of seeing something. And it needed a person who lives in the world of Caesar. Herself is somebody that is beyond show that could possibly address that. I, I want to go through a little bit, uh, uh, um, a small piece in Tanakh, an extraordinary piece. With al Novi. It says, um, told Hashem, I'm fed up with people. I, they're, they're terrible. They're doing bad, and so on and so forth. They, they, all the good people are killed out, and they've wanted to kill me also. I'm finished with it. So Hashem said, Go stand in the mountain before Hashem. Vehine Hashem over. And Hashem, I will pass through. I'm reading from a Navi here, not from the sheet. And this huge wind, the tornado is going to come tearing through, ripping out mountains and, and, and making an awesome noise. No, I'm not going to be there. And after the storm, rash, there's going to be a tremendous noise, or an earthquake, as it translates. I'm not there either. And then there'll be this huge fireball. Lo Hashem, Hashem not there. And after the fire, cold momadaka. There will be a very, very still sound. That's all the Pasuk says. El Novi came and said, I'm fed up with the world. The world is bad, evil, evil has taken over, there's no place for anybody, they've killed out the Nevi'im, they wanted to destroy me, finished. Akash said, the way to perceive Hashem in that world is to learn how to listen to the stillness. And if you look at the Pasuk, it's so astounding. It says, He's not, Hashem is not in the wind, on the, Hashem is not in the earthquake, Hashem is not in the fire. And after the fire, there's a still sound. It doesn't say Hashem is there. That you have to hear. In other words, this is part of the subtleness of it. it when it's quiet, that's when you can hear Hashem in it. So, 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 so the Pasuk is telling me, the one thing is, when your senses are really, really excited, there's nothing there. 
It's shallow. It's, it's, it's Hashem making a tornado. It's Hashem making a rash or fire, whatever it is. But he's not there. W- when it's quiet, then if you listen, you'll hear. Hashem is not projecting. You have to find him there. And that's what Hashem told him is in that era when bad seems to have taken over, you stop using your eyes and start using something else. What's the something else? So let's go to the next piece here. He says, V'chein Mardechai, Shenirmaz Beloshem B'somim, Roish HaKosov, B'somim Roish, HaKosov Es HaKtores, Mardechai is hinted at in the Pasuk of B'somim. Moira Ala Hester, Ki HaKtores Hu Nister. K'tores is the one part, one of the Avodas, a unique Avoda in the, in the Mishkan, in the, in the Beis HaMikdash, that was not public. Every other avoda was meant to be public. Um, it says that, that they used to do all sorts of pious as azar. They wanted the noise, the excitement, the publicity, people watching, people coming, people seeing. Karbanas were a very public affair. Um, it's a it's kavod Hashem that there's that there's that there's berovam hadras melach. So we, we we generated excitement, publicity, and so on and so forth. In Ktoris, there was a special halacha that whenever Ktoris was brought, no one was allowed to be in that, in that room. Um, Ktoris is an avoda that's hidden. It's, it's very subtle. It, it, a, an animal that you sacrifice is big and plump and, and, and makes a lot of smoke. Ktoris is a handful. That's all it is. And it's in a place that's hidden. And, and when, you, when, you, when you bring the Ktoris, there's not supposed to be anything there either. It even was able to go into the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur because Ktoris is the most subtle. Anything that's coarse, that possesses body, um, physicality, can't make it into the Kodesh Kodashim. The one thing that could make it into Kodesh Kodashim was Ktoris. So Ktoris was called the hidden, the subtle, the secret um, sacrifice. And, and, and he quotes a Gemara, That the reason why Ktoris is mechap on that, it, and he says, and that's why Esther is basug le Mordechai, she's an appropriate mate for Mordechai, she nikral she in other words, Esther, the hidden one, and, and Mordechai, who has some sense of that Mordechai, Let me, let's explain one more point about this to, to, to flesh out the picture. We're speaking about our senses, and there's a certain hierarchy of senses from the most physical and palpable to the most subtle. Um, our sense of touch is certainly the most physical, that's definitely, if you want to grab hold of something, if you want to see that something really exists, you know, you go like this, ah, I can feel it, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's got my moshes, it's, it's really tangible. The eyes and the ears are a second. You know, we suspect it's susceptible to mirage and to things like that, but still, seeing gives you a very good picture, and hearing, listening... Is fairly also a fairly di- direct experience, and you get a sense of it, and so on and so forth. Those are the most uh, the most subtle of our senses is the sense of smell. Um, we even use it like that colloquially. When somebody, when when you want to tell somebody that something bad is going on, and here's the proof for it, you say, "Look, this happened. This happened. This happened. Don't you see what's going on?" That's when we want to give over something that's obvious. When somebody wants to express something else, he says, I don't know, it looks good, the papers are in order, but I smell a rat. It doesn't smell right. When we want to, when we want to um, express, describe a, an intuition that we're really groping in the darkness, but we, but we, have, but we have a sense of it, that's it, that's called that's how we define 
um, the odor. Um, you know, you, 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 the, a lot of murder mysteries were, you know, you, something, a bad odor came from the house, and they, they knew there was something there, and they dug, and they dug, and they looked, and, you know, finally found whatever they found, and so on. So the sense of reach is that type of, of, of sense. So Mordechai was one who possessed that. And that's why he was the one who sort of ferreted out that much bad is going on over there. And, and, and Esther was the one that was the hidden one who could effect it. Her tefillah was nescabble. That's what he says. Um, she, she, and remember, let's go back to the story I told in front of Hutna about somebody who, who said, whenever I knock upstairs, um, they ran to hide from me. Kapitel Chav Beis is a parak in Tehillim that Chazal said were, was the capital that Esther said as she went into Hashverus. Whether she said those words or she said those were the ideas that she expressed. Um, in Eretz Yisrael, we, we go with them in Hagem of the Goyen, the capital that they use for Shir Shal Yom on Purim is Chav Beis, Alayelas HaShachar. There's a, there's a sentence there. And the sentence is, Keili, Keili, Loma Zaftoni. In other words, she perceived the God who's not there. Why aren't you there? If I walk into a, a, a house that nobody's there, I, I, do, I say, why did you leave me when I left over someone in the house that I was expecting? And he's not there. And I know he should be there. She should be there. And they're not there. If it's empty, it's empty. You know, if, if they finish building new development and you walk into a house and say, why is nobody here? Well, nobody's here because nobody's here. It's not a question. But, but if I know somebody should be here, Esther was at a time, and I, I want to just, Esther was on the verge of a Holocaust. All the Jews were living in, on the Hashverish dominion. And he had given Xerah for everyone to be annihilated. And she Abbas Yisrael, uh, of noble descent, had been taken in a, in a beauty pageant for a very, very coarse and vulgar king to be his queen. And she was going now to try futilely to save her people when she knew that a death sentence awaited her because, you know, that's the way things went. And, and she, she didn't say, why is there no God? Or where, she, or where is God? She said, Keili, Keili, Loma Zaftoni. Why would you leave me? You are here, but you've left me. That's the sense that she had. That's why her tefillahs worked. In the tkufa, when things... The, the, the tefillah to a God who is kind of more readily visible or, or, more, or, or a person has a strong sense of it is, is, is a nice tefillah and it's an important tefillah, but that's one madrega tefillah. But a madrega of a tefillah when, when God is nowhere to be found when he's abandoned you, but you believe and understand that his abandonment is, is an act of abandonment, and you look behind the facade of the darkness, and then you see something. It's called Ayelus HaShachar. And this is, uh, um, Ayelus HaShachar is, it says, Chazal say, at the darkest part of the night is when it starts dawning. And that's why it's called Ayelus HaShachar. Um, it, it's usually understood to be sort of the contrast that when things are toughest, that's when Hashem begins to do miracles and so on. I think there's another nuance of meaning to it. The amount of light that a person, a human eye can notice, when I read about it, I don't know things that may, may have changed, but I, th- I think, if I'm not mistaken, that an eye can notice one photon of light. Um, but there's, a, there's an important condition. It has to obviously be pitch dark. You, you can't notice a photon of light with as much other light. But if there's zero light, then you notice the one, the, 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 that smallest light. When it's darkest, a person stops using his more overt sense, and his sight becomes keener. He, he begins to, his, his, his senses are a lot more tensed, and that's why he perceives a lot more. So Purim is sort of the transition point from a world where Klal Yisrael lived in a very open relationship with God and the Yitzhahara was very different 
it wasn't that there was a lack of sense of God. We had miracles in one period. Then we had a base of Migdash with its set of, 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 of miracles and, and, a, and a very strong sense of imminence of God. And so Yitzhar always has ways. But, but in terms of relationship to God, it was overt. And it was something that, that could be easily attained if you wanted to. That would come with an end at the end of Bayes Rishon. And this era of moving into Paras, it changed. With, with the list, God spoke to us openly. He gave us Torah, he gave us prophets, he inspired people to divine to Suvim. This is it. Um, Megillus Esther is the last thing that ever made it in. What we needed to get from Megillus Esther, Megillus Esther is the last word of God that has no mention of God. It's the last thing in Tanakh, and the first thing that God doesn't speak. God is the narrator in every other, in every other book in Tanakh. That's, that's all of Tanakh. Megillus Esther is not. He's gone. It's, it's, in Megillus Esther is where we begin to use our sense of reach, where we begin to use our, sense, our deepest senses and to intuit that behind so much emptiness there must be somethingness. That it can't be that the world is so dark, but there's got to be, we have to listen behind the music, behind the rash, behind this, the, 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 the fire and so on, and, and hear what's going on behind it. The, 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 so it's, it's an extraordinary day of transition. It's a, it's a time where on the one hand, the pressures of being devoid from God is so strong. It's called hasta asta. Not only is God hidden, it's so hidden that you know, it's like sometimes you can see there's something, some bulge someplace, something's hiding. You can't even see it hiding. That's the terrible hasta asta. And the type of people to negotiate that hasta asta are people who, who, who live with the things behind what's apparent. They have the subtlety and sensitivity to look for the truth, not at what meets the eye, but what's behind that. There was Esther, who herself was a person, her own her self-effacement meant that she didn't look at things at face value. She didn't see herself at face value and didn't take other people at face value, didn't take events at face value, but was able to see it. And that's why she could daven to a God that she felt so strongly when he left her as other people felt when there was an imminent sense of it. And Mordechai, who acted with a deeper intuition, not with things that, but he was Mordechai, he was the, the Balak Torres. His avoda was with the things that were subtle and not easy to put a finger on it. Those became sort of the paradigms for Claudius role in, in the doors to follow at B.S. Gold Setting Heaven. Well, thank you.